And joining us now is the Hall of Famer, Anthony Munoz. He was an offensive lineman for the Cincinnati Bengals from 1980 to 1992 and was an 11-time Pro Bowler and an 11-time All-Pro, an NFL Man of the Year, and a member of the NFL 75th Anniversary All-Time Team. He was drafted third overall out of the University of Southern California. He does some great work in the community with the Munoz Foundation, most importantly, he's a follower of Jesus, a husband, and a father. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us on Unpacking It. How are you? I'm doing great, Bryce. I appreciate the opportunity. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing awesome, and, and we're going to have some, some fun today talking uh, faith and, and football and family. And, and we'll, we'll start with football, though, because uh, yep. you, you're in Cincinnati, of course, a former player, a, a TV analyst for the Bengals. The team's gotten off to a great start, 3-1. and one. So, so what has been your biggest takeaway from the first quarter of the season? Well, I think the, the resiliency that they have, they're, they're no quit. Uh, you know, that opening week, uh, they're down in Indianapolis. They cause a fumble. They take it for a touchdown. So they played the entire game. They came back, won the game. Of course, they, they had an excellent game against the Ravens, put them away. And then uh, this last week down in Atlanta, I mean, the ability to – to really go back and forth against a pretty good uh, Falcons football team that scores a lot of points. You know, we scored a lot of points. And then to score with just a few seconds left in the game, another time that they have to score and win the football game. So, you know, to me, very, very talented team we have here. A lot of talent. Uh, Of course, the main thing I tell everybody, and of course we all know those that watch the game and those that played the game, you have to stay healthy. You know, Mm. the sad thing about it, we lose a guy in Tyler Eifert Mm. who is really off to a pretty good start, and the the injury bug just continues to hit him. You know, I love the game of football, but I hate the one part that goes along with the game, and that's injuries. Uh, so we, if we can stay healthy, I think we have a chance to keep this role going with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm excited about what's going on. Absolutely. And hopefully getting Joe Mixon back healthy in the backfield as well. Yep. And, and, of course, a, a lot of people know the, know the name Andy Dalton, the, the quarterback for the Bengals, has been there for a while now. And, and I find there, there are probably misconceptions about him. And so for, from your perspective as someone you know, close to the team, well, what do you think fans and media need to realize about Andy Dalton? Well, I think, you know, people, I think, get enamored by the Bradys and the Mannings and, and those type of quarterbacks. And, you know, of course, Andy Dalton is not going to be one of those guys, but he doesn't have to be one of those guys because of the talent he has around him. And he has the ability to manage the game. He has the ability to utilize all the, the talented players he has around him. And I think that's the thing. He's a smart guy. He's uh, probably even a better person than he is a football player, and he's a pretty good football player. So if you want a guy that's solid, you know, character solid, faith solid, a guy that guys are going to respect, Andy Dalton is the kind of guy you want leading that offense. And and then kind of a a similar question, the head coach Marvin Lewis, what are some of the the best qualities that that he has? And and he's been there forever, and and he's really been able to to have such a, a longevity with Cincinnati year after year, he, he comes back. So, so what makes him special as a, as a head coach? Well, I think the things about Marvin, and, you know, and he has been here a long time, and you know, his tenure as, far, tenure as far as in the league is right up there, I think number two maybe after Belichick, is that he has the ability to connect with the players. Uh, you know, he can take players regardless of where they're drafted, where they're from, what their background is, and he can make that connection. And one of the things he's been able to do over the years is uh, you know he 
assistant coaches. I think those are a key to a head coach. You know, he had a lot of assistants around for a long time, and then he he'll make some adjustments over the years, and especially this year, he brought in six new offense or six new coaches, which is rare with this organization. Usually, if you're doing well, you stay here unless you get a, you know bump up, you become a head coach or a coordinator. Most coaches remain here if they're doing well, but Marvin has been able to. Uh, bring guys in when other guys leave and, and kind of the similar type of thing. These coaches are excellent teachers, but they can connect with the players. I think that's the the main thing that Marvin's been able to do year after year is connect with the guys and the guys, uh, you know, enjoy playing for them. And I think that's a key with the head coach. Absolutely. Makes sense. Anthony Munoz, our guest right now on Unpacking It. He's a pro football Hall of Famer, former offensive lineman. And, and so as you watch football today in 2018, what, what makes a, a great offensive lineman and, and have those qualities changed at all since, since you played? It just because the, the game has changed, has, how, how different is the offensive line in today's football? Well, I think that, you know, the one glaring difference has to be the size of guys. I mean, you, you look at really any position, most positions, and I'd say the, the size of guys is uh, is not what it used to be. They're much bigger, faster, stronger, but some things never change. You, you As an offensive lineman, you still need flexibility. You still need, uh, you know, recoverability. You still need to, to be smart and be on top of the game plan, make adjustments. Uh, so, to me, those are the guys that uh, – are still some of the best guys that uh, you know for tackles being able to move out in space, uh, the uh, oper- you know the ability to to bend at the knees is, is key, flexibility. So you know again, these are all things that you know I heard back in the 80s when I was playing, and it <laughs> remains the same. Uh, you know, so it's it's still the ability to run block, to be able to to you know get down in a three point and move guys out or maintain contact, stalemates. Uh, you know, not get overpowered on the running game. And then with pass blocking, the ability to handle the speed guys in addition to the power guys. You know, some guys can handle speed exact, you know, really well. But then when someone tries to overpower them, they don't have that. You know, again in football, you make up all these terms, and, and one of the terms my line coach used to say is, "You need anchorability. You know, you need the, <laughs> the ability to anchor down and you know really sit down and, and use your core strength from your knees up through your your midsection." So you need, still need to be able to do that. And I think, again, like I said, when you have that combination in an offensive lineman, you know you're going to have a, a Joe Thomas, you're going to have a, you know, a Lewin Taylor, you're going to have a Andrew Whitworth, you're going to, you know, those type, you're going to have a Jake Matthews. Those are the type of guys that tackle that I watch and, you know, can still do that. And, uh, and you know, the majority of those guys don't weigh 340. They're, you know, 310, 315, 320. And they can still, uh, you know, they still have the strength. They still have the flexibility to do that. Anthony Munoz with us right now on Unpacking It. And one of the, the big discussions has been the, the, the roughing the passer calls and, and is, you know, football getting too soft and, and we're protecting players and, and that whole conversation. But I don't think we hear from the offensive linemen enough uh, in that topic or in that with that discussion. So, so what, what are your thoughts on, on just kind of how the, the game is changing and it is becoming so offensively focused and, and we want to protect the quarterbacks and, and put up big passing numbers and we're seeing that uh, left and right. So, uh, so where do you come out on that? Well, you know, 
being a former offensive lineman, I still watch a lot. And let me just use uh, two examples. I watched the two times Clay Matthews Jr. And I have to remember to say Jr. because I played with Clay Matthews Sr. (laughs) at USC and then played against him in the old AFC Central. So every time I say Clay Matthews, I have to designate which one. But the last two... um, times I, I watched uh, the two roughing the, the quarterback penalties on Clay Matthews Jr., I just shook my head. And I'm a guy that uh, loves quarterbacks, wanted to protect quarterbacks, and I think that, you know, that's a good move on the NFL to, to a certain extent, you know, protect the quarterbacks. But my goodness, those to me were just nice, solid, fundamentally sound tackles on the quarterback, and he gets roughing the passer. Mm. So, you know, it. I, I say one thing. I'd hate to be an official in the game these days. Ooh, I yeah. mean, with pass interference, with holding, with roughing the passer, with uh, the new helmet, it, it just becomes so hard because these guys are so fast, so strong. Uh, you expect a you know a 260 pound player like Clay Matthews, full speed, to make a tackle. And I understand he's an athlete, and there's some great athletes, but to make the adjustments, you know, with the one step or step and a half is, is asking a lot. So. You know, again, I'm all for safety of the game. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the the rule changes are great, but there's some that uh, I think you you really have to watch because I think it's taken away from how the game should be played and and understanding that it is a physical game Mm. and, uh, you know, getting hit is part of it. So uh, it's tough. And coming from an offensive lineman, you know, watching those two plays, I was really confused and uh, just saying, oh, my goodness, okay, what – then you go on. See, I'm not on social media a lot, but I like kind of. I'm on Twitter, and I, I get caught up on sports a lot on my Twitter. And I, I saw these two videos where this, yes. they're in the backyard, and this guy's rushing. You probably saw the yep. guy's rushing, and he grabs the quarterback, <laughs> picks him up, lays him on the ground, puts a pillow under their head, and you see the flag come flying. And then I'm thinking. Then there's another one where they actually laid a mattress under the quarterback uh. before they laid him up. You know, so people are having fun with it, but that's what people are thinking of the game. And, again, like I said, I'm all for the safety, protecting the quarterback, protecting all guys with certain rule changes. But I don't know, this uh, roughing the passer, man, it's tough when you expect, like I said, a 260- to 300-pound guy who's full speed making an adjustment and not hitting him here, not hitting him there. And to me, it's just part of the game. I'm I'm with you, and and people are still watching, so it, it's hard to it's hard yep. to know what role it's playing, but uh, but it's very interesting to to follow. We're we're talking with Anthony Munoz right now on unpacking it. He's a Hall of Fame uh, offensive lineman from the Cincinnati Bengals, and, and we love talking football. But but Anthony, we we know that that faith is important to you, and and I was watching a, a little bit of your your Hall of Fame speech, and and what jumped out to me. Well, it was when you were talking about wanting to, to make your life an offering. So, so what did mm-hmm. that mean to you then, and, and, and how does that, that factor into your life today as well? Well, first of all, you know, not understanding anything about, you know, spirituality, relationship with Christ when I got to USC as a 17-year-old freshman, and that's the University of Southern California, not South Carolina, because they get that confused in this part of the country being in Cincinnati. That's right. So I have to clarify and let them know that I went to the real USC out west. <laughs> but uh, when I got there, you know, it was the first time that I heard the name of Jesus used the way that I, I got shared to, uh, you know, got the gospel shared to me. And really, <clears throat> as a freshman at USC, is the first time I heard it. As a sophomore at USC, several months after getting married, uh, my wife Didi and I both came to to Christ, and uh, and I'm 
thankful we just celebrated 40 years of marriage yes. in April, and this month we'll celebrate 40 years of mar- our marriage uh, with Christ and following Christ. So mm-hmm. um, I'm excited that God put those people around me uh, at USC. So the last two and a half years at USC, being married and being young believers, we got involved in studies. And it wasn't until I got to Cincinnati when I really started to get a glimpse of what I had to do with my life in order to offer it as a spiritual worship to God. And and I guess it, it happened because in my four years at USC, people see my Hall of Fame football crew at the Bengals and, and automatically assume that my college career was decorated, all kinds of accolades. Well, in four years at USC, I had three knee operations. Mm. I played one full season. My senior year, I got hurt. I got hurt my freshman year, my junior year. Then my senior year, I got hurt the second time we had the football in the first game, missed the entire season, came back, rehabilitated my operation, and played in one game, and that was the Rose Bowl. Not knowing if I'd ever play another down of football. Well, the Bengals drafted me, not only drafted me, but with the third pick in the draft, and then I played 13 years. But my first year, I come in as a rookie, and I play 20 games. That was almost as many games as I played in four years at USC. I played four preseason games, 16 regular season games. So then, you know, I made, you know, alternate Pro Bowl, I made all all this stuff, and I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be a reason for this. And and when God does something, I understand completely. There's things he does that we do not totally have one iota of clue of why he's doing it. (laughs) And I think this was one of those periods of times of of many that I experience on a daily basis. I go back my second year with the Bengals and I earned the starting job again. I started my entire rookie year. I earned the job three days into camp as a rookie, played 20 games. So I started questioning. I said, God, why would I not play but one healthy season in college? And then all of a sudden I get drafted with the third pick in the entire draft, play one game my senior year. I start my entire rookie year, all rookie, Pro Bowl alternate, and then I come into my second year and I'm starting again. And you know, God said to me that hey, it doesn't matter what happened, but he goes, It was my plan to have you here. And mm-hmm. as I know now, no man, and when God has a plan, no man can mess with it. Amen. And his plan was to bring us, Didi and I, to Cincinnati. So going into that second year, God showed me that he had given me a gift to play football. So my gift, my way to worship him was to present my body and offer every Sunday I was to go out and play as a worship offering and thanking God for the opportunity to play the game and thank him for something in my life. Maybe it was that first surgery. Mm. Maybe it was my mom that raised five kids by herself. Mm. Maybe it was my wife, Didi, who had now been married three, three and a half years. And every, so that was my way of saying, God, thank you for allowing me to play this. So every game from my second year on, I would do that before every game. I would take something that he had blessed me with, good or bad, because God, you know, it doesn't always have to. We praise him in the bad times as well as the good times. Amen. So I did that, and that was my way to offer my performance, my performance of one, and that was Christ. Uh, and I did that every game, and, and, and I continue to do that in life. I mean, not only in athletics, but we. I learned – back then, and I tell people I didn't know a whole lot back then, and I don't know a whole lot more now, (laughs) but I know that we've got to worship God. And to me, my initial thought was, man, worship is those, you know, handful of songs that you sing on Sunday morning at church. No, worship is an everyday thing, how you live your life for God and how you worship him through everything you do in your life. 
Give him all the glory, all the praise. So that's what I was talking about when I when I talked about that. And I thought I knew, you know, having played at USC, even though I didn't play every year, my guys, my teammates would, would give me a hard time. They'd say, why are you getting hurt during the season? You go through every single camp, every single spring practice, but you get hurt. Well, it wasn't my plan to do that. Hmm. But I learned at USC to, to you know, really – play hard. And, and I thought I knew what it meant to prepare to be intense. But when I came to Christ and when he showed me going into that second year, what preparation was all about, what intensity was all about, and how it says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as for the Lord, not man. Mm. I knew that as a football player, like every other part of my my being as a husband, as a father, as a community member, but on the football field, I had to give it everything. Mm. And then that's when I really, I realized what it meant to prepare, what it meant to be intense. God showed me what true preparation, what true intensity, what true, just being a, the best teammate. I learned all those from starting with my, you know, starting with my faith in Christ. And it continues now. I mean, you know, I joke with my wife and I say, well, you know, as an old guy now, I'm not very competitive. And she looks at me and just laughs, you know, because, you know, I got a foundation and I got a couple of small companies and to be able to get some POs or to raise money. I mean, I'm competitive. I want to go out and raise money to try to impact yeah. as many kids as possible. When my apparel company gets a bid, I want my team to win it, man. I want to win that bid. I want to give them the best service and the best product. So, yeah, I guess I am a little, uh, still a little competitive, but that's. It. I've kind of shared a lot, but that's where God really showed me that I needed to offer up, uh, you know, my performance, my life to him on a, on a daily basis, not just Sunday morning when I'm sitting there before listening to a great message, you know, worshiping him through music, but uh, on an everyday basis. Mm. Amen. It's a wonderful message, a, a life of worship, given our life as a sacrifice and in and, and honor and, and to, to bring glory to God. It's, it's just a, a tremendous encouragement to me. And, and I know everybody listening today, he's Anthony Munoz. Uh, he's a, a Hall of Famer and he's doing some awesome work with the, the Munoz Foundation, MunozFoundation.org. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a, just a moment. But you, you mentioned being married for 40 years and you got married in college and, and so I'm sure you, you've learned so much, but, but is there maybe one nugget of, of wisdom that, that you can share with us today as you, you, you contemplate 40 years of marriage? I guess the first thing that I really work on is making your spouse the most important person on earth. I mean, you know, I, I hope I've done that. And Didi shared that, you know, when I'm out in public, you know, especially when I was playing and even now as a Hall of Famer, people want to meet Anthony Munoz, want to meet Anthony Munoz. I would not meet people without grabbing Didi's arm and, you know, making sure she couldn't get away because I wanted them to meet Didi. But just making her feel special because a lot of times people just kind of push the spouse aside and want to, you know, want to meet and, you know, talk to, you know, the the, the NFL football player, the Hall of Famer. And, and I didn't want anything to do with that. I wanted them to meet Didi first. Hmm. So, you know, and, and – you know, just working through things. I mean, in society, everything is so easy. If things aren't working well, just, okay, I'm just going to detour and go another another direction and forget about No, it's about work, man. When I was playing football, it's hard work. Marriage is hard work. Raising kids is hard work. Now with the foundation, nothing comes easy. And, and I thank my mom that she, you know, through what she did, working two, three jobs for her five kids, she, she didn't have to say a whole lot. We saw what work ethic was all about and responsibility. So I'd say just making your, your spouse 
you know, the way you treat it. And we share this with our kids. They're both married now. They're both raising kids. Cool. We share this with young couples is the way you treat your spouse. That's the way your kids will treat their mom and dad. So, you know, I wanted my kids to treat my wife, their mother with respect. So I wanted, you know, and that's what the way I treat her. I just wanted to make her feel that there was nobody else around us that was more special than she was. And that's what I share with young married couples. And uh, it's how you treat your spouse. And, uh, and of course, just uh, being friends. I mean, you know, we we became empty nesters when both kids went off to college. And we I, I kid about it, but, you know, pretty serious. We sat there and cried for about a half an hour. And then after that, we <laughs> high-fived each other and said, let's go, man. We're on our own again. <laughs> and we've enjoyed That's the good. journey, man. It's been a great journey. And, uh, you know, 40 years have gone by so fast. And I can say that, you know, she's my best friend, that she's got my back even when I'm not around. And I think she can say the same thing. Oh, man, that, that's so cool to hear. Anthony Munoz with us on Unpacking It, 40 years of marriage. And and so uh, how important has your your faith been during the hard work of, of marriage? And, and, and how important has it been to rely on your faith during you know the challenges and the, the disagreements and, and all that comes with the challenge of marriage? Quite frankly, it's been the most important thing. You know, coming from the background we both came from, uh, I say thank God that we both came to Christ when we did, that we realized that we needed Jesus in our lives, not only in our lives personally, but in the middle of our marriage. Um, So he has been everything. I mean, the fact that we can wake up in the morning and pray together, go through Scripture together, do studies together, go to church together, I mean, that is something that, uh, you know, we have— worked on for 40 years. And so I'm thankful for that because, you know, in in surrounding ourselves with like-minded people, we have so many couples that we've been in Bible studies with, that we, you know, it hasn't just been an Anthony and Didi thing. It's been a community of, you know, other believers that we've been involved with. And, you know, there'll be, they'll go a few months by and we'll say, oh, it's time to get two or three couples and start another study. So we'll do that and wow. church. And so it's been, I mean, I'm just thankful, you know, cause I, I know how undeserving and I know what, you know, what, how I was before. And uh, so I'm just thankful that God's grace is continues to cover us and his mercy and his love. And I mean, Didi and I always just sit there and, and we look at each other and we know what we're thinking. We just say to each other, I am so thankful that we know Jesus and that, you know, we just kind of pinch ourselves that, uh, you know, that we're allowed and have the honor of walking with them and uh, sharing him with other people. And uh, because who knows where I would be without him. Mm. Amen. Amen. Anthony Munoz, our guest right now on Unpacking It. And and Anthony, I'm looking up. The, the Munoz Foundation, and, and you're, you're doing some awesome work in the, the community in, in Cincinnati to, to impact kids physically, spiritually, uh, emotionally. You've got the, the Wiz Kids program. Uh, saw that, that you were just a part of Cincy Stories. And, and, and so kind of fill us in on, on your passion and, and heart behind the, the Munoz Foundation. Well, my passion is exactly what you said. We, when I started the foundation 17, going on 18 years ago, we wanted to engage the tri-state area to impact kids mentally, physically, and spiritually. And that's through about eight programs that we have. We start with elementary kids, which you mentioned, our Wiz Kids mentoring program, where we mentor them once a week, uh, every week during the school year. We, we, and with all our programs, we build relationships. So, you know, it's K through five. We've, in the nine years that we've been doing Wiz Kids, we've, been able to work with over a hundred kids and, you know, anywhere from, you know, 
300 and 300 plus books they read during the school year when we're mentoring them. And then we have overnight character camps where we take anywhere from 130 to 150 young men two times a year. We did one this spring, one coming up at the end of November. Uh, we'll take them to camp, just pour into their lives. We'll teach them a little football. We got to do that. But uh, more importantly, we have a, every day we have a character speaker. We have a, a chapel. We teach them teamwork. We teach them character traits. Uh, just try to pour into them and, and, you know, try to establish that, you know, it's nice to be successful in whatever job you may choose, but be a person of character, be a person of faith. And, and we have two of those. We have coming up in a couple of weeks, we'll have close to 100 high schools at what we call our youth leadership seminar. Uh, we've averaged close to 100 schools, 12, 1,300 students. We have a day-long leadership seminar with motivational leadership speakers. We have breakout sessions to really you know, sit and discuss uh, how to become a better leader. And then at the end of the day, we give them a charge to go out and uh, put together community service projects. We track them and try to do something special for the two winners that we find at the end of the time. Uh, we have two different types of scholarships. So we end up uh, giving anywhere from 18 to 24, 26 scholarships a year. Wow. Uh, anywhere from two to 5,000. And our big ones, uh, $20,000 <laughs> scholarships. We were able to give 115,000 this last year, full tuition scholarship to seniors going to college in this area. So, you know, it's one of those things where people helped me when I was growing up, allowed me to dream and dream big, you know, athletics, academics, getting a scholarship to USC. And we just, you know, we're not, you know, we're just trying to assist them. We're trying to help them, direct them and build their confidence. And then, uh, but it's been fun to see students that have graduated from college. They come back, volunteer for our events. Students that are on scholarship with us or some of our mentors, I did a I did a uh, live TV uh, talk show this morning where we talked about the couple of programs and I had a young man who was at our uh, one of our overnight character camps as an eighth grader. He's in his third year of college now. Aww. He went through our youth camp and he's one of our scholarship recipients. So it's uh, it's fun to be able to have some continuity with these young people and all the programs we do. And it's a passion of mine. I love doing it. I you know, I'm always constantly thinking of how to you know, bring more corporate and private partners on board so we can, you know, impact more and more kids. And we have some amazing, amazing partners, a great board, great staff. We have an internship program where we have four to eight local college interns that intern with us. They get to learn the whole non-for-profit business Mm. and they get to work because of our lean staff. And it's fun. Two of our three, we have three full-time employees for everything we do. Two of the three were interns with us uh, a few years ago, oh, and now they're full-time staff. So it's, I love doing it, and it's, uh, you know, I got like two or three different entities in our building here, but uh, two for-profit, and the foundation is a non-for-profit, and, uh, you know, I got pretty good people running the other ones, and I do with the foundation, but I spend most of my time with the foundation. Oh, that's so cool. Wow, really neat to hear. MunozFoundation.org. He's Anthony Munoz. Uh, just such an honor to, to talk with you. Really just appreciate your, your heart. And, and really, the, the testimony of 40 years of marriage is, is so awesome and, and just encouraged by that. So congratulations on that recent anniversary. And, uh, man, Anthony enjoyed it, and I uh, hope we can do this again. Bryce, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, for you having me on and uh, anytime. Uh, thank you for what you're doing and, uh, you know, talking about some uh, topics that are dear to my heart. But, of course, the, the number one thing is the faith component and uh, a walk with Jesus. So thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much. All right. He's Anthony Munoz joining us here on Unpacking It.